Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Overlap. I'm, of course, joined by Rian. It's been a minute. We apologize. Life, as we've mentioned over the last several months and years, can get in the way. But we're back. We're talking everything European football. Um, not both of our respective clubs, by the way. That We might have to change the actual like about us portion of the Chelsea Barcelona stuff. But outside of that, we're back talking footy. And I'm really excited to be back chatting about this episode, at least, which will be, will be focused on the Champions League, which is returning at least at the time of recording tomorrow, uh, which is yeah. kind of wild. Um, and a lot of people might say some of those fixtures this week might not be, oh, the best fixtures that we've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. Screw you guys. This is the Champions League. <laughs> I do not care. Uh, also, PSG Real Sociedad is a banger, and I don't care who else tells me otherwise. So we'll get into all of that. But really what we're going to focus on, instead of going into all the things that have happened over the league campaigns from Klopp announcing he's leaving, Xavi announcing he's leaving, to, I mean, what else has happened? Leverkusen are above Bayern, recently beat them um, in the league to Inter now dominating Syria. Like, a lot has changed. The Premier League title race is heating up. A lot's going on. But we decided to focus on the, I guess, what's a good, like, SAT word for, like, royal, a royal competition? You know what I'm talking about? Like, some, like a really... Not, I'm not thinking for some reason, penultimate came to mind, but that's not what I mean. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, but anyway, if I, if I think of something, I, I got, I'll, yeah, go, go with that. So <laughs> we're going to focus on the Champions League. Um, Rian, how you been? Obviously, I've talked to you in the last two months. That would be insane if I did not. Um, but would you like to tell our listeners what has Rian gotten up to in the last two months? Oh, the whole last two months is as a while. All right, okay. Well, keep, but, keep, keep it brief. <laughs> I'll just keep it for you know most recent stuff. I I, I celebrated my birthday this past weekend, which was yeah, he great. did. He's thirty seven now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. For anyone who's not who doesn't watch, who doesn't look at the videos, I am fall, I, I'm falling. <laughs> I I got huge. You you be in. You'd be amazed, um, but, but no. Uh, actually, on on my birthday, one of the things that I did was go and watch, uh, go and watch the uh, Bayern Munich and, and Leverkusen game at a uh, at a bar nearby, which was a lot of uh, a lot of fun. Mostly as someone that has some money on the, on Leverkusen to win the league, <laughs> you have um, you have tweeted really extremely consistently about that. By the way, I have to give you credit for that. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's really I, I've been holding it in because I I put the money I I threw it on them like back in October or maybe yeah October. So I've been keeping very quiet until the last like couple weeks because it's and now I'm like actually feeling somewhat like confident about it happening. So mm-hmm. so yeah, no, that was that was a great way to start my birth the birthday. Um, but yeah, but between that and then. I did not really. I did not watch at all the Real Madrid Girona game, but was getting was looking the scores <laughs> like at, at yeah. halftime of um of Leverkusen and and Bayern's game. They they were showing the score for that, and I was like, just wow, that escalated like very quickly. So. We'll get into a little bit of all of that. I I have many thoughts on Real Madrid over the last couple of months, but. Uh, I'll spare myself and all of you from even going into that, but a lot, a lot of things are turning in the league 
campaigns. And that's obviously going to translate into the Champions League, which we're going to be focusing on today. Um, and for the record, for anyone listening, yes, I did get Rihanna a birthday gift. Um, I went on a trip about a month ago and I was like, oh, that would be a perfect gift for, for Rian. Um, So yeah, come at me. I don't know. But anyway, in <laughs> yeah, respect of that. Those people that were doubting that were ever. <laughs> <laughs> doubting that we just didn't record for two months and yeah just elias and rian no longer friends yeah screw longer, you guys yeah. yeah yeah exactly so anyway rian let's jump into it and just to set the the tone for this episode what rian and i did beforehand is we came up with our own personal list of top four or five teams that we believe could compete and win the champions league this season and our jobs were basically to come up with those lists, research the why, and then send them to each other without actually having shared those those lists um, uh, prior to that. Rion sends me probably one of the most epic texts, I think, soccer-related texts that I've gotten in terms of like dramatization. Because, and I'm going to see if I can actually find it. Um, but Rion basically text, texted one team per line to me until he got to the final team. And now for some reason, my computer... Oh, no, here it is. Here are Rion's teams, and I will give my teams, and we're going to dive into each one. Rion's teams are as follows. Manchester City, Arsenal, Bayern, and... He put end ellipses, Inter. And my initial response was... Really? Again? You think again? And I think we can all fairly say that more people watch the Premier League and probably La Liga and have been maybe keeping up with Bundesliga more this season than they do with Serie A, right? But there is a method to that, a little bit to that madness around, which I know we'll get into on the inter side. And then my teams were similar, but a little bit different. City, Arsenal, and actually Inter Rian and I did agree on the two teams that we disagreed on were Bayern as in Rian kept Bayern on his list. I did not. And I kept Real Madrid on my list and Rian did not. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with those three teams that we did agree on. And Rian, I want to start with Manchester city. It seems like an obvious, obviously last year's champions, first time champions, treble winners. Do we even have to like, explain to the masses why they might actually be favorites to win the champions league or are we just like talking into a void <laughs> yeah i i think honestly um maybe it was a couple a week or so ago i was going back and listening to our last episode where we were talking about just the premier league right we were talking about the the teams that were close to each other in the in terms of like title race at that time and and why they would or would not be the the teams that win the league um and i think a lot of a lot of what you can say for city for winning the the champions league you can recycle what we talked about during that uh, and and honestly like you know <laughs> we go back and look at it and, and the why they would win the the uh, premier league was really like my my main thing during that was that was that Kevin De Bruyne is is better than Julian Alvarez, and he has come back and he's been fantastic. And, and recently they've been playing him with Julian Alvarez too. So I I think that your whole reasoning for why they would win it again is they still have 
on paper the best squad. I, I mean, definitely the best eleven. Um, they also still have the best coach, and they've got the best midfielder in the world who's come back, and, and the best striker in the world. So it's really hard to still look away from them when we're trying to think about who are the teams that I can realistically see winning it. Um, everything on top of that, they, they finished first in their group again. Uh, they are they're second in the league right now, but game in hand. Yeah, game in hand. Um, and we can tell that like they they are obviously building up towards a, a team that's going to be in good form. Um, and then you throw on top of all of that is that they just have destroyed their Champions League group stage again. So this still feels like the best team in, in Europe, but I don't think we have a lot more to say than that. That's a pretty easy one. But uh, but if you had anything else, like would love to hear. No, the, the only thing that I would harp on is just going back to the Kevin De Bruyne piece. Like I, I just cannot understate how or overstate excuse me just how important that that is right he was out for how many months like three months i believe um yeah. almost yeah, pretty, the full pretty much the entire the first, first half yeah, yeah. basically the first, the first half of the, season. Of the season and then it was and then it was out exactly and if you look at city's form in relation to pre um not pre-injury but excuse me during his injury span versus now which again the sample size is very different it's kind it's not night and day but it's very noticeable, right? They were dropping points where they shouldn't have. Julian Alvarez is obviously not as skillful as Kevin De Bruyne. I will just point out again, Rion is now coming around to my theory that just talented players are better. Um, and let me just clarify that that does not work in every sport. That does not work for every team. That doesn't work for every, like, that, that did not work for the Eagles this season, clearly. So, like, again, I'm, I'm being you know, uh, pedantic, but point being um, Kevin De Bruyne returning and staying healthy through the Champions League run could be absolutely crucial because correct me if I'm wrong, Rian, but I believe City are also in less competitions this season than they were last season at this point as well. Yes. Yeah. Cause they're already out of the league cup. Yep. They're still in the FA cup right now, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. As of right now, they, a little bit more of a cleaner runway. To... Mm-hmm. And if it's less games that they have to play between now and reaching a Champions League quarterfinal, semifinal, etc., that's only going to aid in City going the full length. Um, so they have to be in that that conversation, no doubt, right? I, I don't think there's anyone that's looking at this team and saying a fully fit Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Holland are not going to terrorize you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they can, like, I love it. My, my, I, I still feel the you know, their their downfall may or may not be their back line at this point, which feels which feels kind of weird to say because it's pretty much the same team as last year. But they've they've dealt with a few more a, a few more injuries. Like John Stones has been more in and out this season with injuries and. I think Diaz is not quite having as good of a season as he's as he's had with City the last couple of years, but I I think this is still probably their your 
the betting favorite definitely makes sense, <laughs> right? No, um, yeah, it's hard to hard to bet against. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So where do you want to go with this, the next team? Because I don't know if we're thinking about this in order of, of what we – of how you're feeling like the ranking should be, but the next team that we'd agree on. So let's just agree that Manchester City are probably number one in that favorite category, right? That's – can we at least firmly agree on that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We can we can say they're like they're in a tier on their own. Okay. Right City are on a tier of I, and I agree with you. City tier of their own, number one. Let's talk about the rest of the teams that are basically included um in our, our lists, right? You've got Bayern, Real Madrid, which we disagree on, then Arsenal enter, which we do agree on. What would your number two be, Rian? Because you mentioned Arsenal, Inter, and Bayern. Um and I believe you put them in order. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and I believe uh, I don't believe that was the actual order, the way that I just read it. But you tell me what your number two team, um, in terms of your number two favorite, would be. Yeah, I, I think for me it's Arsenal, and I think that the gap, and, and even thinking about just like for the Champions League, um, the gap is smaller than what I feel like it is in the league. Um, and, and the reason that I say that is because I feel like Arsenal is better set up or the, their strengths are better set up in these kind of like knockout tournaments right now. Uh, not because like they can score goals out of nothing necessarily, but again, you recycle a lot of what we talk about for, um, for like their case to win the league and we're talking about a team that I still believe is like the best defensive team, defensively the best team in the world, right? Like, like they don't play obviously to to be defensive, but it's a you watch how good they are at suffocating the other teams in terms of like not allowing them to even get into their own half. It's a team that they finished first in their group as well. Um, they famously destroyed that uh, PSV at home in one of those in one of the group stage matches. A PSV team who, up until like three weeks ago, had won every single game mm -hmm. <laughs> they played this season. Um, and, and you're talking about a team that also had the best goal difference. Uh, Arsenal has the best goal difference in the Champions League group stages. Uh, they have the best, second best league expected goal difference in in Europe's big five leagues. And then again, going back to that kind of how good they are defensively. They've allowed the second fewest shots per game of any of any team in the uh, big five, and they average the most touches in the penalty area while allowing the second fewest. So you're like trying to think about how you, how you can kind of not muddle your way, but, but you get your way through knockout where it really becomes less about, it becomes less about uh, have like consistently good attacking patterns, right? It, like, these games are all going to be very, very high leverage. You expect it to be low scoring and you expect there to be a lot of tension in general. But when you get into knockout kind of format, what matters a lot more is just not conceding the first goal, especially, but like not conceding, like being very, very solid defensively. And I think this is the most solid team defensively uh, in Europe. 
Well, it's it's funny you mentioned defensively, and I want to get back to the the attacking pieces that you mentioned about Arsenal. They're also up against a fairly strong Porto side. Um, this is a Porto side that in the group stages, um, and having watched them through the group stages, could have easily scored. I I don't even know what their XG in some of their games were. Like I re- I really don't, but it was probably off the charts. But to go back to the defensive side. Porto have not conceded that many goals in basically their last six weeks. Um, I could probably count them on two hands um, in the last couple of months, something like that. Um, And they are a very strong defensive side. Um, They've got two very strong center backs. And I think this is going to be a really, really big test for not just them, but also Arsenal, because you mentioned the number of touches that they have in the attacking third, in the penalty box. Like these These are statistics that really showcase just how well Arsenal build up their their attacking phase of play. In the Champions League, to your point, it's less so about how many of those waves do you have and more so who takes their chances and when, right? That's the essence of knockout football. And when you're creating that many chances, phenomenal. But there were also many times, I think back to that Liverpool game last weekend, where Arsenal could have been two, three, maybe even four up right? Mm -hmm. Those are chances that you have to take against the top sides in Europe. Otherwise it doesn't end well for you over two legs. Um, or, or you leave the risk of it not ending well uh, over two legs, I should specify. And you could maybe argue, you know, Liverpool are arguably one of the most informed teams in the world when they played them, et cetera. And, and full credits Arsenal, right? They deserve all the credit for winning that game. And then the West Ham game as well, which they just demolished them and, RIP David Moyes, but irrespective of that, I just want to clarify that this Porto tie specifically for Arsenal is going to be a real test of their kind of knockout acumen because we have not seen them in Champions League knockout football since 2016, right? So it's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and to kind of go back to we started with the Arsenal part of this. When I think about what what separates them in Manchester City for for this tournament, and, and you just kind of touched on it there that the, the the risk of not finishing the chances of not being um, clinical with it. I think the the main thing that I feel like separates the two of those teams is just kind of what we saw. Over, I think it was over this past weekend with Manchester City, where the game, I believe, it was Everton, right? So the, the game wasn't going. They hadn't. They didn't create that much in the game. They they were they were good defensively anyway, but it was a very very tight game. And in the end, it's like a set piece goal from um, Erling Holland, and then and then Holland with the the second goal where he just bullied Jared Branthwaite on a break, but it just kind of hit home again that the margin for error for this team, it's just, it's larger than everyone else, especially when you have almost every time you walk on the, on the pitch, you're going to have the two best guys on the field. So that, that's the, that's the big difference from the, I mean, it's not a huge difference. I, sh- I shouldn't say big, but it's, that's the difference between city and, and Arsenal. When I think about like city in a tier of their own and Arsenal in a, I think Arsenal is in kind of their own tier as well, but like just slightly below City. 
I like that analysis a lot, actually, because we've basically seen that play out in the league for the last year and a half, right? I mean, this is a story that we obviously saw last season, but even this season, you're starting to see City creep back into that conversation. You Okay, you could say it was a mathematical thing with games played and things like that, but the longevity and, and one of the reasons why even Zidane himself talked about how it is so hard to win a league campaign versus something like the Champions League because there are fewer games. There's, you know, a, a kind of a very clear pathway that you can align yourself with. A league campaign is structured very differently in, in that sense. So I like where you were you were analyzing. Um, I do still think like we're having this conversation while, while almost dismissing Arsenal. I think it's important to actually just clarify that we think Arsenal are basically the number two favorite right now to win the Champions League, which is no like bad feat at all like if you make it to like yeah. the semi-final of a champions league that is a phenomenal let's phenomenal progress over the last several years for this club um i think what we're trying to point out specifically is that there are inherent risks with the way that they play in the champions league um or sorry within the league and if they purely carry that over to the champions league and i do think experience matters it, it absolutely does um in these scenarios. So I'm just like, this is one of the ties where I'm really most curious. And to be honest, like, I, I do think that this is a tie that could be a little iffy for Arsenal at times, and they could feel really uncomfortable. Yeah, that's right. I, and, and kind of hammering home what you're saying, I, I genuinely would not be surprised if Arsenal wins the Champions League. Like, I, I think they're, I think they genuinely they they can win they can win the Champions League for sure like it's it's it wouldn't surprise yeah. me in the least bit um, no and I can't say that I would necessarily I can't say that I would necessarily say that for any of the other teams that that I, even I have on like kind of this contenders list but um, Arsenal and City would are the two that I would have no surprise about them winning the league so, or winning uh, the Champions League no I fully agree with that well. Let's talk about the other teams around that you might potentially be surprised about winning the Champions League, even though you have them in a top four or five contenders list. Let's talk about what your number three um, team would be. Now, you threw out Bayern and you threw out Inter as your other two. Which one is number three? I, I promise this is not recency bias. I did not make like, this decision in the last few days. Um he texted that, all of this before any results from this past weekend, for the record. Correct, yes. But, but like, even in terms of, like, who I think I would personally put as that third, um, it, it's, it's Inter for me. Yes, partially partially because I've seen a few other Bayern games this season, and, and, and um, compared to the Inter games I've watched this season as, as well, I, Inter have been fantastic this season in Syria, especially like that it's it's honestly it's even misleading how close Juventus is with them like to be honest like I I actually don't I really don't understand how Juventus was so was even as close as they were to to Inter before Inter beat them a, a couple weeks ago because it was just every Juve game I would tune in to you know get a chance to watch McKenney or 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 Tim Weah. 
it was just a slog. It was like just just some terrible stuff to watch, honestly. Um, uh, but it was a, a textbook Allegri kind of thing where they were just extremely defensively solid and do very little on the ball. Um, but either way, Inter has been fan- like the best team in, in Italy by a lot. Um, they only ended up finishing second in their Champions League group behind uh, Sociedad. But like I said, their first in Serie A, they've got a seven-point lead over Juventus, um, and that could stretch to 10 because Juventus lost today. They have allowed the fewest goals, league goals, in the Big Five. They've only conceded 10 goals this season. Uh, and, and then you throw in, again, thinking about the defensive side, um, they've they're third in terms of non-penalty expected goals per shot. So they're not giving up. The, the, the chances that they give up are, are very, very marginal. So they, they do a great job, obviously, keeping it solid at the back. And then you throw in on top of all of that, they probably have the best striker partnership in Europe right now with Lautaro Martinez and Marcus Turam, who they signed for free last, on a free, not for free. We've talked about this before, the, no such thing. Um, but they signed him on a free transfer last last summer. Um, and you kind of think about how they got to the Champions League final last season. One, I, I mean, part of it, I think they caught Nap. Ultimately, they made it there with Lautaro Martinez and then... Ed Ndjeko slash Ramu Lukaku as the second striker. And and Marcus Taram is just such an upgrade on both of those players. This is a team that got better since last season. And then, you know, I, I'm sure some people have, have seen the video going around from, from their game against Juventus with Chalitnoglu's just like the best pass of the season, probably. Um, uh, I, it, it actually defied a couple of laws of physics from my <laughs> basic understanding of how it curved. But yeah. Yes, yes. So yeah, you're talking about uh, like you take going back to Taram and and, and um, Lautaro, they've combined for 37 goals and assists this season, and Lautaro third most goals, third most league goals in the Euro's Big Five leagues this season as well. So uh, you have a guy who's having a truly, truly elite season. Like, he's one of the best players in Europe. Um, this team got better. They they got better. I think Pavard also joined them over uh, the winter trans winter transfer window. He's an upgrade, um, at least in that three back formation. He's a lot more a lot more comfortable than than playing in the four back um, that he was with Bayern. But I just think this is a really solid team. And similarly, their coach. Zaghi has had a lot of success with them in cup competitions. So this is the end where I say I'd be a little more, I'd be more surprised than the, if they won it rather than Arsenal or Manchester City. But I, I, I don't, they, I don't, I really wouldn't be surprised if they got back to the final at least. Um, and I just, again, think that this team very solid defensively and and has probably more reliable i would probably more reliable forward line than i'd say arsenal does right now doesn't mean that they're going to score more goals than arsenal if they play against them but 
you're talking you talked about like teams that can be ruthless and take their chances like, you, I probably this have is a, a bit good more. example yeah and 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 they're and they're great on the counter that was a, one of that was one of the main takeaways that I took from watching them play against Juventus um as well like just a great great counterattacking team as well so I think they're well set up for it and they're a team that you know you tell me tomorrow like this team's gonna win the Champions League I'll I'll be like I said surprised but I, I can see it I agree, I agree with that. And this is partially why I had them on my list too. I did not watch the, the UVA game specifically, but I did watch um, kind of highlight, or I have watched a couple of highlights like over the course of the season with Inter. And I think one of the things that impressed me the most wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, the counterattacking nature. I think for me, it was the speed of their play. And this is in all phases of the game. The speed that they had to get the ball from, defense to midfield to um well what's it called to attack it it was something that was like to be marveled at and i'm not talking about when they're out of position possession regained it i'm like talking about like it's it feels like a flip of a switch at times and i think being able to catch out a lot of teams who play in the champions league specifically relatively high lines based on kind of the domineering nature of some of these possession based teams that could be a real asset and so Inter for me are ruthless. I, I, I fully agree with you from kind of a shot creating action, a goal standpoint, the goals and the assist for themselves, but the chances that they are creating as well, that puts, that puts them in this category without a doubt. The, the last thing I, and I did not know about this um, from a research standpoint that you mentioned about Inter was the shots that they're conceding um, being really low quality, that to me is the most interesting because while Inter have been phenomenal throughout the entire season, I haven't necessarily you know, thought of Inter in, I would say, the last couple of months as, oh, the best defensive team in Europe, right? But meanwhile, they are quite literally statistically the best defensive team in Europe. It just has not come to mind, to be honest. Um, so that I, that part was probably the most interesting to me. It's 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 really impressive. They've done they've done a good job of like taking a team that was when they made the final last season. They were very surprising, obviously, obviously, but um, a team that was a lot older last season, and they've and they've made the team younger, and they are they're they're better than than last season. So it's really impressive um, team building as well. I think there's one last thing on Inter I'll mention, um, and then I want to go to the one of the teams that you know we disagreed on. Um, the one thing I'll mention about intern, this is the potential red flag for them, right? Because we're starting to get into that category of, all right, let's, what, what reasons do they not potentially have to win the Champions League? For me, it's their performances against other Champions League sides. Um, not in the league, but I mean, quite literally in the group stages. Um, I thought they were, quite frankly, they were horrendous against Real Sociedad in that first leg. I thought against Benfica, they were defensively poor. Um, there were a lot of times during their group stage matches where I was really concerned for them. Um, and they also drew against Sociedad again um, at home. So like <laughs> there are, again, drew zero, zero, by the way, not like they didn't score any goals. So th their ability to do what they're doing in the league, in the champions league is something that I think we need to see um, who do they even play um, in the, the group stages. 
Oh, athletic. Mm, that'll, that will be tasty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so that will be, that will basically be who can counterattack quicker. That will be that tie. Um, so anyway, that's the, my one asterisk for Inter. All right. Well, I think All we're right. to the, to the disagreement. Right? This is, this is the part that I'm excited about. Um, Rian, we'll start with with yours that because you put them on your list and I did not. Bayern Munich, they're number four on your list. They are not on my list at all. Um, let's take recency bias out of it, right? Why did you include them in your list? And is there a reason why they're fourth? Well, I think the reason why they're fourth though, was born out from this from this last past weekend but um you literally just said there's no recency bias earlier no 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 but it it, it, they truly were they truly were like the lowest because you and i talked about it a few weeks ago um of of saying that i really felt they were borderline like very borderline for me um the the main reason and I'll go through like I'll go through it, give a brief overview first. They finished first in their group. Um, they're in that group with Manchester United, Copenhagen, and Galatasaray, uh, which had a lot of like fun games. Um, they're second in the Bundesliga now by five points, despite like that group where it felt like oh like between United, Copenhagen, and Galatasaray, all of them were very bad at one point during that. During that group stage, uh, Copenhagen ends up coming. Copenhagen that, was, was amazing. Was, yeah. Yeah. Copenhagen had, had actually like a few good games in that. And one of them being against Bayern, uh, despite those three teams being having all like negative expected goal difference. Um, they, they're very middling in terms of their expected goal difference of the, of the round of 16 teams, but they do have the best league expected goal difference in, in Euro's big five. Um, it took a pretty huge hit this last weekend, obviously, but, uh, they, they've allowed the fewest touches in their, in the penalty box for, uh, the big five leagues. So this is still a team that's very, from Thomas Tuchel point of view, a team that can get, that sets up to be difficult to create chances against, right? Um, the, they keep the ball, a lot of, a lot of very like defensive possession, well, at the same time, you can be a bit more defensive with it when you have Harry Kane up front. And, and that's like ultimately where, if I'm thinking about who can I see winning it, like, I'd be surprised. But if you told me that Harry Kane <laughs> scores scores in like six or seven goals between now and the, and the end of the competition, and Tuchel, another coach who's had really good success in cup competitions, specifically this one. Um, like you'd be a guy who made two finals in a, in a row. So we're talking about a team that we know will be set up well to negate any of like the strengths or though any of the strengths of their opponent, right? we know that their coach is, is very good at setting teams up for these types of competitions. And you throw on top of that Harry Kane, who has the most goals in Europe's big five leagues. He's on pace to break Lewandowski's goal scoring record that had stood for like 40 years before he, he had 
broken it. Um, it's 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 a really, really really promising. I think for them from an attacking point of view, uh, it, it Kane's just been like magnificent this season for them. So yes, it's gonna get. They're gonna be out of these four teams for at least the four that I threw out. Like I think <laughs> they will be tested the most. Yeah. Um, but I, again, we're thinking about just like, can I see it? Like, can I see the pathway of like what they could do to, to get to that point? Um, I think so. I think so. Yeah. I, I, I still think that I still think that, that Tuchel is a very good cup competition coach and they have enough attacking power of their well. I, I didn't even mention Leroy Sané, who's had a really good season himself as well. So second highest goal scorer for them as well. Yeah. 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 The, the, look, the the issues are again very easy to see when you uh, depending on who they're playing, right? But it, it's it's still the midfield. You know, they've tried to get they, they, they gave me in the game against and they were playing a seventeen year old in in uh, midfield there with Goretzka. Kimmich is, it's kind of lost his um, like you know bona fide starting every game. Thing because they really don't have a defensive mid, um, so that's that's the biggest issue that I think. I think you could see a game very similar to what happened with them at Manchester City last year. That this team is very much. You could get you could see a very weird result for them. Um, and, and it's happened to him a few times this season. They lost five nil to Frankfurt like last, uh, like just a few months yeah, ago. Yeah, five five one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it so you you know it, it. They are a bit soft in the middle of the park. <laughs> Damn, you really called Byron soft. That's wild. They're gonna come <laughs> back to haunt you for that. Um, let me let me just highlight the the. Harry Kane piece. Um, first off, the memes will be off the chart if Byron don't win the league this season. Let's just start there. But for Harry Kane specifically, this this is still a good opportunity to make a run in the Champions League with Bayern Munich. I mean, he's scored 24 goals this season. Like, we're not talking about a player that has declined since he left Spurs. He has truly like maintained his level, if not probably gotten better in terms of the the service that he's been getting. Right. So let's start there. But what's interesting to me is there's a really big dichotomy between Bayern and their attacking output. And you were mentioning kind of that like middle of the park slash defensive output that they just seemingly have not been able to connect. And the way that um, that kind of shows up is in the Bundesliga, they are their expected goal difference is like double Leverkusen's. It's like 37. It's nuts. It went down this past weekend, obviously, mm -hmm. but it, it's nuts. And their expected goal difference per 90 is still the best in Germany as well, like well above Leverkusen. So you kind of think about like, how are they, I think they're three points now behind Leverkusen in the league. Five. Um, five, five thank you, yeah. after this weekend. Um, and I kind of like tried to just figure out like what is – like how did how did we get here, Byron? Like what happened? And I think I've realized one major thing with the way Byron play, and this has been consistent for years too, but like specifically this year, Byron play a wonderful man-to-man -man press. Like it is a very, very solid 
man-to-man press. No, everyone is, their lungs must be screaming after the end of each of these 90 minute sessions, because they're very good at it. And the one aspects that I think these Bayern teams and Tuchel as well, and maybe you've experienced this when he was at Chelsea, but I'm curious, like, I think Bayern are in a position where, okay, they rely on the man-to-man press, but if you can overload certain wide areas and kind of use like Xabi Alonso did this with Grimaldo over the weekend where he inverted um, fullbacks and, and wingbacks and caused havoc for their midfield. All of a sudden that man-to-man press looks really easy to get in behind. And then you're up against a three-man defense with potentially five at attack. And that to me was like, damn. So the way to get at Bayern is through transition and it's through overloading the wide areas. And I think about, um, gosh, the, the team's escaping me. Um, oh, I forget when this was. Anyway, I was going to bring up something separate. But point being, when I think about teams like um, Real Madrid, or I think about most of the other top teams that we just mentioned, City, Arsenal, take them, right? They have some of the best wingers in the world, right? And I think that they would actually be okay with going up against basically whatever flank of Bayern um, is is there. And from a numbers perspective, not necessarily like one-on-one battles, but um, I would say like watching, for example, Alfonso Davies up against Saka would be just, just delicious to watch. <laughs> um, horrible adjective, but I digress. Um, point being, that's part of why I think Bayern were not on my list is that in the Champions League, if you can figure out if you're one of those top teams, how to get the ball to your wingers and you find a way to either invert your fullbacks to create an overload or you get past one-on-one those fullbacks of Bayern Munich, you have a numerical advantage and Bayern's defense is a little shaky. And those are the moments that matter in the Champions League. But it's not showing up in the Bundesliga because they can cover it with six goals in one half and like <laughs> yeah. you're done. Like it doesn't matter. Um, so that was that was part of what I was thinking with leaving Bayern off my list. Yeah, I think I think it's completely fair. Um I, yeah, they don't instill a lot of confidence, I, I think, when you watch them. Um so yeah, that the that's what I'm saying. They're always like they're my they're borderline for me, um, but I can't I can't completely I can't completely say they're not one of the contenders for for me. But at least let's now move on to our last team, right? Ah, uh, I mean, preferably I wouldn't have to, but you know we have to. Um, Rian, my last team was Real Madrid. I agreed on City, agreed on Arsenal, agreed on Inter, but. Real Madrid was the the one that took the fourth spot. And I'm not just throwing that out there because it's Real Madrid. I have legitimate reasons beyond <laughs> just the aura that is this club okay, at great. winning that, Champions that League. That was going to be one of my first questions. No, yeah. I know. It's not just – I can't come in here with an argument of it's Real Madrid that doesn't fly. So Real Madrid have an aura. No, I'm kidding. So Real Madrid this season <laughs> um, in the league – have been nothing short of dominant at times, right? The Girona win this past weekend is just a microcosm of what they've done to some of the top teams with the exception of Atletico Madrid um, throughout the season. They did it to Barcelona, um, even though they were frankly 
shit for half the first Classico. Um, but then they destroyed us in the Spanish Super Cup final. Um, they beat Atletico, albeit they did also get beat in the Copa del Rey. And Atletico and Real Madrid have a weird history. But let's just focus on, um, and I mean weird history in the knockout rounds. But um, actually, you know what? Fun fact. They've gone to knockout. Uh, they've gone to extra time the last, like, 10 times that they've met in knockout rounds. It's nuts. Oh, wow. I digress. Um, Real Madrid. Real Madrid have shot up to favorites in, in La Liga. They are also missing three critical players. Thibaut Courtois, Edder Militao, and David Alaba. All to long-term injuries. So you kind of think about, all right, well, what are the natural replacements in them? And we talk about this. We've talked about this with Arsenal, for example. Arsenal, what does your depth look like? Uh, at times, it's a little bit questionable, albeit... Let's say, for example, Jorginho's played well in in a lot of different um, games that he's come on, come on for or even started. This is different from that for Real Madrid in the sense that you have players playing all sorts of positions. Chuomeni at center back, Camavinga at left back, Valverde at defensive midfield. Like, it's literally like, guys, like, I'm assuming Carlo Ancelotti walks into the dressing room and goes who wants to play where like you know like seventh grade you're like where do you guys want to just play today um there's something really interesting about this team in that sense that anyone is able to play anywhere and i think that's a huge strength for them um in the champions league now you can talk about the defensive liabilities and and i agree with you for the record the defensive liabilities are one of the biggest reasons they're last on my list they've been exposed at the back we saw this against Atletico Madrid, especially throughout the entire season. They've been exposed through crossing. Like, it's embarrassing. When Rudiger is not in and he's been injured for the last week or two, it is embar- embarrassing to the umpteenth degree. Um, that's how Atletico went through, I believe, to, to get to the Copa del Rey. Fi- or no, excuse me. That's how they drew- ended up drawing Atletico Madrid in their last game is a header from, like, are you kidding me? I think it was Lorente. I think it was Marcus Lorente. Um, yeah, yeah. Who yeah, is yeah. and you have Nacho and Carvajal watching the ball. Anyway, I'm getting this animated <laughs> because I'm telling you all the reasons that there are issues with Real Madrid. But you have to keep in mind that when it comes to certain games, tournaments, etc., they are just that much better over a consistent period of time. They do have their fluke results that happens all the time, but they Real Madrid. They had the second highest XG difference in the Champions League, 7.4. And they're only behind City who have 13 point whatever. Like, okay, league of their own. We've talked about that. But to have the second highest XG difference in the Champions League over those six games while you're also missing critical players is nothing short of impressive. And I almost don't even care what your group looks like at that point. Unless it's like three teams that we can't name. But that's never the case. So that's number one. Number two is their scoring consistency. And that comes from Vinny, that comes from Rodrigo, and that comes from their development, specifically as players of the last two years. And I think Bellingham is, to be honest, just icing on the cake. What Vinny and Rodrigo have grown into over the last two years is nothing short of really, really impressive. And you have to give Carlo Ancelotti a lot of credit for that. And what I mean by scoring consistently is that they have scored, I believe, in 24 out of the like 25 games in La Liga, which is, I believe, close to, if not the record for consistency in terms of scoring multiple goals um, 
over the course of a, a league season so far. What does that mean? Well, it means that Real Madrid are still able to produce wins. They're able to produce multi-goal wins in a league campaign that's been defined by injuries. That speaks to versatility, that speaks to flexibility, and that speaks to a team that knows how to win even in the weirdest of circumstances. And like, let's be honest, that is what the Champions League is about sometimes. You may not always have it figured out, and there are going to be weird flukes and ups and downs with games that make no sense, and PSG dominate, and all of a sudden they're down 2-1. Like, see PSG Real Madrid from a couple years ago, but that's my point. Real Madrid have still actually been a very good scoring side, and they still have a lot of talent to back up wins in the Champions League. That's, I re- Your Honor, I rest my case. <laughs> I'm out of breath. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I can only jump in to, to talk about the, the reason why I, I wouldn't have them in, but you, know, you, you lay down a lot of really good arguments for why they will like you think about a team that has been and not to say the aura thing but they have been good in cup competition between like this season and last season um obviously other than in the champions league against manchester city uh but correct (laughs) but but you know everyone was pretty much everyone was getting just absolutely torn up by them in the the knockouts there um I, i i think what concerns me the most and is what you began this all with is the injuries really having to play nacho at at um center back having to play denny carvajal at center back um it's been difficult for them and it's it's also interesting to see the guys who have stepped up like brahim diaz Who's, who I think has also played left back a couple times this season. He's, he's played left center, right wing. Like <laughs> it's 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 uh, really impressive what Ancelotti has been able to to do patching this all together. It's just it's hard for me to see it to see it uh, working as we get deeper into the competition. Um, you're just asking for a lot, I, I think, uh, for guys to play outside of like whatever we perceive as their current level, right? Um, I mean, even Jose Lewis had, has done well for them, has probably done better than anyone expected him to do for them. Uh, but I, I still think this team just still lacks a bit of, like, hmm. For lack of a better term, like robustness. <laughs> Interesting. How do you quantify robustness? That's <laughs> I, I, I expected just, robustness. Yeah. Oh, just, title of the podcast. <laughs> I'm just trying to think about the opportunities for this team. Like, like what for them to win it? It needs. They need more luck i think than than even in the they've gotten in the past right because because even in the past you could have said well you know uh, i mean cruz has played has still been playing really well for them this season right but um even in the past you would have said all right well they still they always have these three or four guys who yes in their early 30s but are still like some of the best arguably the best players at their positions right this time they're going into it with a lot more youth, right? Um, obviously, Vinicius 
a lot of experience. Rodrigo has a lot of experience. Jude Bellingham's been playing since he was since playing with against other grown men since he was like 15 years old. <laughs> uh, so, so yes, these guys have a, have a lot of experience. Um, but that experience together is probably is more what is lacking at this current moment, right? Um, so I, I just struggle to see how they pull it all together for four four rounds. Um, and that's it's that's not even to throw in that a big reason for their success in in past Champions League seasons is that they also had like probably arguably the best shot stopper in the world, right? Who kept them in a lot of games that they probably shouldn't have won, right? Like a lot of ties that they probably should not have advanced and Thibaut Courtois for in one way or another was keeping them in those ties. And I just don't see um, whether it's Kepa or whether it's Lunin. I, I just don't see those guys being having the same ability to when Real Madrid is not playing well, keeping them in a tie. Um, like almost single-handedly, as we saw with uh, Courtois. I think that's valid. I mean, Ancelotti's gone back and forth like a coin flip over Lunin and Kepa, so that's not surprising me at all. And and the experience thing is valid. Um, I think it's a very... Generally, I think they had the team in the squad do have a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. Um, This is still a team with Luka Modric and Tony Kroos, to your point, in it. But there are lots of newer and younger players that are coming into the fold. Um, and there's going to be, there's, we've been talking about this for like three years, but there's going to be a tipping point where that older generation of players will retire or move on and it will create opportunity for those younger players. And it's important to get them involved now. So just something to think about for Real Madrid in this champions league, like how do you balance that? That's up to Carlo Ancelotti, but how do you win it? probably go with the experience that you have already um, assuming no injuries and stuff, uh, no additional injuries, but um, that's at least my point. So I think, I think we both made fair points on real Madrid. I'm going to stick with them as my number four option. Um, and I know you'll stick with Bayern at the end of the day, city are in a league of their own arsenal and inter are very much close to that second slash third spot. And then Bayern real Madrid have their issues, but they're, they're, in good company in a in the top four or five list it's not bad to be on that list could be like one of our clubs that don't really know what they're doing so <laughs> anyway well Rian, anything else no i think i think that's it we're we're already back to champions league start they start by the time people listen to this it'll probably be the first round of games first day of games for the knockout so yeah. Yeah, it's just excited to to get back into it. I, I actually don't know how much I'm going to be able to watch. <laughs> well, for this week, I can, I don't know how much I'll be able to watch considering I'll be yeah. in a different country. But I'll try my best to to uh, ride the high seas and <laughs> dream. Amazing, amazing. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. With that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always for watching and for listening. Um, we hope that you get to enjoy the Champions League <laughs> this week and next, unlike Rion potentially. But we hope and would love to hear your thoughts on how everything goes. So with that, we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, guys.